Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In most cultures, they actually have a ceremony. They have a time where they recognize that that age, that coming of age. You know, I read this report. I thought it was interesting. A statistic even reported that in America, get this, you are not ready to assume the adult responsibilities until you're 28 years old. Isn't that interesting? And think about that comment and then think about this one. In over half the world today, 17-year-olds are already carrying automatic weapons issued to them by the military. Go to many cultures, and if you're in the military, you have military experience, you know what I'm saying is true. Go to Israel today. Walk in the old city, walk in the new city, walk near the temple. You will see 17-year-olds carrying automatic weapons... They got on jeans, T-shirt, sneakers. The girl has their purse. The guy has his man purse. And they got an automatic weapon in most cultures today. Now, to the Jew, listen, their coming-of-age ceremony to the Jew, somebody help me, is known as a what? A bar mitzvah, very good. And a bar mitzvah takes place at the age of 13 when you become a son. It is at that time that that you're considered to be accountable to the law of God on your own. It's actually 13 for boys and 12 for girls. I think they call that a bar mitzvah. So for girls, it's like 12 years old. For boys, it's 13 years old, which tells us, I hate to admit it, but girls are more mature than boys. Okay, fine. Did anybody ask you for a hand clap, ma'am? Every service that happened, every single girls are like, yes. Looking at their husband. That's what. Every service that happened today. So for boys, it's 13. For girls, it's 12, and it was like a, kind of like a rite of passage when you turn from a kid to an adult. And it's at this age that you were expected to be able to get this. At 13 years old, boys were expected to be able to read the law and expound on the law in the Jewish culture, a bar mitzvah. Now, to the Romans, listen, the Roman culture, there was no specific age. It was when the father thought that the boy was ready or the time was right. A Roman child became an adult at the sacred family festival known as the Liberalia that was held every year in March. And at this time, the child was formally adopted by the father and then formally acknowledged as a son, and he received a toga varielis in place of a togas protecta. 
which he had worn. There was a Roman culture in that day that a boy would then, as the father determined, whatever age that was in Rome, that he determined that that boy had come of age, it would be at that time that his clothes would be changed. He would also be, the boy would give his ball, the ball that he played with, he would give his ball to the parent or the girl would give her doll to the parent and that would be indicative of the fact that they are putting away childish things. So if you were to ask a legalist or a religious Jewish person, when is that point of maturity or when is that point of coming of age? Are y'all listening? Or when is that point of coming of age? A legalist or someone religious would tell you, you have come of age when you are keeping the laws of Moses and that you have become circumcised. That's when you've become of age. Now, what I want to know is, how do you know when somebody became circumcised? I mean, what do you do? You walk up to them and you... I mean, you ask them. I mean, you, go, you walk up to the bus stop. Hey, man. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah. You circumcised? <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's like, I mean, but, you know, for me, somebody go work, you say, hey, nanya. Nanya. Nanya business. You know, are you circumcised? Yeah, I'm circumcised. Prove it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I mean, how do you know? But to the Jewish person, <laughs> But to the Jewish person, this was the point in which you became mature. And Paul, listen, would say to them, the keeping of a set of rules, the keeping of a set of of regulations and rituals isn't going to move you forward in maturity. It's actually going to move you backward. Do you understand? And the keeping of the laws of Moses is putting people in bondage like a child who is under guardianship until an appointed time. Paul says in verse 3, the Galatians were like little children in bondage to the elements of this world. Now, what does he mean by that? Listen, you can write this in your margin, the ABCs, or you could write the basic principles of the law. The ABCs spoke of the law. The law was like the ABCs, the standard for living in relationship to God. Like a child needs to constantly be told what to do and what not to do. A child needs constant supervision and instruction. Those that that, that were living under the law, that's the role the law played. The law was a source of constant supervision. And you were held in bondage to it under its instruction. And Paul's point is this, being under the law and legalism is not a step toward maturity. It's a step back into childhood. The law was not God's final revelation. It was the preparation for the final revelation in Christ. Don't you get it? A life that is led by the spirit. And that is why in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, he goes on to talk about the application of the grace of God. And he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering. See, the law was supposed to point you to Christ. And being pointed to Christ was supposed to then move you on to walk in the Spirit. If you understand so far, please say amen. amen. You're supposed to walk in the Spirit. And it's supposed to lead you to a life 
that is filled with the Spirit, not the law. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent in verse 4 his son. Now, saints, listen to me close. This is very, very interesting because if you read the book of Daniel and you, some of you know, some time ago we taught through the book of Daniel here on Wednesday night. And if you read the book of Daniel, you can see this, the flow of civilization. For you Bible students and you history buffs, you know. We had the Babylonian Empire. And from the Babylonian Empire, we came to what? The Medo-Persian Empire. And from the Medo-Persian Empire, we came to what? The Grecian Empire, you know that. And from the Grecian Empire, we came to what? The Roman Empire, you got it. And as Rome comes, and we're talking about the fullness of time, are you with me? Stay with me. We're talking about the fullness of time. With the Roman Empire comes the Greek language. And the Greek language was brought to the world and it filled the Mediterranean. The Romans started to bring order and wars began to come to an end. And the Romans had cleared the Mediterranean Sea and the sea lanes were open. And by this time, get it, the Romans had established, get this, 50,000 miles of paved road with streetlights. They were like oil lamps. 50,000 miles. And you could travel. And language was in place so that the gospel could travel over Rome, over the seaways, into Gentile territories. And the Bible says that Christ came in the fullness of time. What I want you to see here is that there is a spiritual implication here and there is also a practical implication here. The practical implication is that the world was practically, physically ready for Christ to come. And God used the Romans toward that end. If you're with me, say, Pastor, I'm with you. That's practical. In the fullness of time is also spiritual in that the world had sunk into moral abyss so low that even pagans cried out against it. Spiritual hunger was everywhere where the world was in need of a savior. And God had promised for 4,000 years that the Messiah would come. If you're taking notes, write this down. Zechariah 9.9, it tells us, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He's just and is having salvation. He's lowly and riding on a horse. Zechariah 9 9. Daniel chapter 9. You might want to write that down. Prophesied, get this, the very day that Christ would come riding into Jerusalem. That's fascinating. The very day. 173,880 days from the decree to go out and rebuild Jerusalem that the Messiah would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Listen, if you just simply were to, if you lived in Jesus' day and you simply just did your math, just do the math. You don't have to believe in Jesus, don't have to be in, believe in God. You could be the worst atheist in the world. Do the math. 
And if you do the math, you would find 173,880 days from the decree to go out and rebuild Jerusalem, the Messiah was going to come. And Zechariah said, he's going to be riding a donkey. He's coming into Jerusalem. Anyone. That's why no one will stand before Christ with an excuse. That's why. Because anyone standing there should have said, hmm, this is interesting. Hmm, I think we'll call this Palm Sunday from now on. And wow, this guy comes riding in Jerusalem on a donkey. Let's see, one, two, three, four, 173,880 days since the decree went out. Oh my God, that guy on the donkey, that's the Messiah. We better believe in him. This is fascinating. God does not leave you to guess. He knows you're not that smart. I'm just trying to help you build up your self-esteem. I'm the opposite of Dr. Phil. I'm going to tear you down. Dr. Phil will tell you how nice you are. I'm going to tell you how bad you are. And so they should have known. The world was in a spiritual mess. Spiritual chaos was prophesied. Psalms 118 verse 24 It reads this. You love this verse. This is the day that the Lord has what? Made. And we will be glad. We'll rejoice in it. And then it goes on to say, save now. Save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is exactly what they said when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on the donkey 173,880 days after the decree went out to build. They began to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save now, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of these things were prophesied. So when Jesus showed up, it was at just the right time. Did I make my point? It was just at the right time. It was in the fullness of time when the world was in need of it. And it was an exact fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And why did he do it? Verse 5, look at it. Let me see the tops of your heads. Look at it. He tells us why he did it. To redeem those who were under the what? Law that we might receive the what? Adoption of sons. Now listen, give me your attention. Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. There's so many people, they don't like doctrine. People don't like doctrine. Some people say, why do we even need doctrine? We don't need doctrine. Can't we all just get along? We don't need doctrine, all the blood and doctrine of justification and sanctification and glorification and redemption and the resurrection. Ah, doctrine, schmoctrine. Sorry. That's what they say. We don't need doctrine. Yes, we need doctrine. We must have doctrine. Don't you realize that our faith is built on doctrine? There are certain things that we believe as believers that that are unalterable, that we cannot change, that we don't have the liberty to fudge and to mess with. And here we come to another doctrine of Scripture. It's called the doctrine of adoption. We find that woven all throughout Scripture, talked about all in the Bible. A doctrine, doctrine is explained in all of the Bible. Adoption is explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, if you're taking notes. 
Adoption is the result of God's promise, Romans chapter 9. Adoption is by faith. Galatians 3, verse 26, 27. We looked at that last week. Doctrine is of God's grace. We find that in Ezekiel 16, 3, 6. Adoption is through Christ. We find that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 12. Also, we just read it, Galatians 4, 4. It's through Christ. In adoption, we receive a new name, Acts 15, 17. Adoption, it entitles us to an inheritance, Galatians 3, 29. Adoption, listen, was God's plan all along. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 11. Now this word adoption, if you're taking notes, it literally means a person takes a child into his family that is not his own with the purpose of giving him or her all the privileges of his own natural children. Let me say that again. Adoption means a person takes a child into his family that is not his own with the purpose of giving him or her all the privileges of his own natural child. An adopted child is legally entitled to all the rights and all the privileges of a natural-born child. You know, it reminds me of this story of this first-grade teacher who was discussing a picture with a, of a family with her class, and one of the children in the picture had different color hair than the rest of the family. So a little girl in the class said, well, maybe that was because the boy was adopted. I know all about adoption, she said, because I was adopted. Another little boy asked her, well, what does it mean that you're adopted? And the little girl said that you grew in your mommy's heart instead of her tummy. Isn't that true? You grew in her heart instead of her tummy. You were adopted. We grew in God's heart, not in his tummy. <laughs> Say amen if you knew that. All right, no, 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 no. Raise your hand and say amen if you knew that. Okay, God. We grew in his heart. Adoption. Very important that you understand that adoption is different than entering into the family of God. There is a difference between adoption and entering into the family of God. You understand. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus said, Nick, you must enter into the family of God by being born again. You must be born again. You see? But adoption now speaks of our privileges once we have been born again and into the family of God. So the moment that you are born again, we are placed in an adopted state as heirs. And as heirs and sons and daughters of God, you have the privilege of sonship. So Paul's point is this. Our position as adopted sons or daughters of God is a position of privilege and it's a position of power. Adoption and being born again is different. First of all, you must be born again. You cannot say, I am adopted, but I am not born again. Do y'all understand that? These little, little things are important for your understanding. 
You can't say I'm adopted and not born again. You can say I am born again and therefore I am adopted. Are y'all with me? Just trying to teach you. You got to be born again. Once you're born again, then you enter the family of God and you are now adopted sons and daughters of God, which speaks of position and privilege and power. But it also speaks of intimacy. Notice in verse six in your Bibles. Go ahead and look at it. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, what saints? Abba, father. The word Abba means father. The word Abba means papa. The word Abba means daddy. The word Abba is the most intimate term that a Hebrew person can use in relationship to their father. Abba. Go to Israel today. Walk in the old city. Walk in the new city. You see little kids running behind their dads and they're saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. Or little kids running behind their mom. Ima, Ima, Ima. Mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. It's a very intimate term. So when you're born again, you're adopted into the family of God, and now you have full and complete access to the Father, and you're adopted as heir, and now he is your Abba Father. And that word Abba speaks of relationship. See, we don't really get it in our culture because we're losing it when it comes to the family. Somebody say amen. Y'all know that's right. Oh, dad. Oh, mom. You're too old. We'll put you in assistant living. (laughs) Oh, you need to be in a retirement home. I've got to go to work. Let's find a good one for you. We're, We're losing that intimacy in the family. It's so sad. I told my kids. Y'all put me in an assisted living retirement home. I bet you what? I'll find enough strength to kill you. I'm coming back. And if I die in there, I will come back to life. I'm telling you, I'm going to resurrect. I know that. You know what I'm talking about, sister? I'm coming back. You put me, put me where? I told my kids, let me tell you something. See, I'm from the old school. Y'all forgive. If you're from the new school, please forgive me while I have a moment. Okay, can y'all forgive me? I'm from the old school. Okay, no, you ain't put me in a retirement home. You're going to take care of me. I took care of you. Shoot, changing them diapers. You know what kind of... I'm going to lose it. No, changing them diapers and carrying on, putting up with you all night long. And the stuff you took me through when you were a teen, shh, you owe me. I, I love kids like, oh, you, oh, oh, sweetie, sweetie, oh, mommy, daddy, love you so much. You can't pay us back. Oh, you can pay me back. Yes, you can pay me back. You can take care of me or you can give me money. It seems like everybody over here is with me. Everyone over here is not. But it's okay. I'll talk to y'all. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me give y'all one last try. 
Uh-uh, no. No, we're parents, we're adopted. We have intimacy and relationship. And I think that we need to continue with that in our culture. Kids, don't turn your back on your mother. I don't care if you don't think she's right. If she's your mother, she deserves it not to be right. If she, doesn't, if she ain't right, she ain't right. Then you just look at her and you just go, yes, mom. In your head, you're thinking, you are so wrong. Because that's what I did with my mom. My mom be saying, you don't, no, you don't talk back to Gertrude. You might get knocked out. My mother say, say one more word and see if you don't wake up. <laughs> and if y'all know my mother, don't that sound just like her? That sounds just like her. You know my mother. See if you don't wake up. You be picking your teeth up off your floor. I'll be like, whoa. Okay, mom. Psycho mom. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.